Sorry, everybody. Welcome back to the Mind of Soul podcast. My name is Donovan Alexander Beck, and it has been a little bit. It has been a very, very long time since we recorded a podcast, and so much has happened. Um, there is no guest tonight. It is just you and I, and we are here together going on a little journey through time and space. Um, I just wanted to drop by and sort of reconnect with the podcast and see how everyone was doing. I actually had messaged out on Instagram, if you have not followed me on Instagram, at The Might of Soul on Instagram. Um, had messaged out on Instagram a couple weeks ago just asking for some questions. And so we're actually going to be answering that and so, so, so much more on the podcast tonight. And this is my way of kind of checking in with myself as well as checking in with you guys. And I know this is kind of a one-way conversation, but I do hope that you guys reach out on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, anything like that. Um, just so that we can connect, and I'm really excited that you are coming on this journey with me. If you are new to the podcast, hi, welcome. This is the Tangents with Soul podcast, the Mind of Soul podcast, however you want to name it. Um, this is kind of my safe space to just have conversation with fellow artists, fellow creatives, fellow advocates, as well as with myself, and sort of talk about life and have conversations about what it means to be an artist, an entrepreneur, a business person in today's age. And so if this is your first podcast, well, welcome. Um, I'm so glad to have you here. And there are so many other shows and podcasts down below um, that you are more than welcome to listen to. Um, I have conversations with everybody from fellow artists to advocates and entrepreneurs and just young people doing amazing, amazing things. And so I am so glad that you're here on this journey for journey with me. Um, a few things to get out of the way first. Um, there has been a lot that has been going on since the lot the last podcast and it would be a disservice to everyone if I did not address those here in the forefront of this show. If you want to skip past this and get away from the sort of things I'm about to talk to talk about, you're more than welcome to skip ahead just a little bit. I almost just knocked my lamp over. Um but there are some things that I want to address first off. Um, first, I hope you all find this podcast in safety and community. I know times are very, very crazy with the pandemic and global policy and everything going on right now. So I wish you health and safety. Um, with that being said, there's also a very big elephant in the room. Um, I am going to be the first one here to say that myself, my business, and everything that we stand for are overtly and outwardly anti-racist. Everything that we do here is for the honor of allowing people to live the life they want to live and to strive to be amazing, wonderful people. With that being said, there are very non-wonderful things going on in our world right now. And I ask you as an advocate for proper communication to have the difficult conversations within yourself, within your family, your community, and ask how we can move forward together. With everything going on right now, we have been divided as a country as drastically as we ever have been in our history. And that is on purpose. I challenge you from both parties, from both ideological views, from everywhere, to challenge your way of thought. When somebody tells you that there's an enemy that needs to be abolished on both ends, ask questions why. Pull back the curtain to the things that are being told to you and ask deep and wondering questions about how things actually are. Challenge yourself to get rid of your preconceived notions of people, of race, of ethnicity, of everything, and ask yourself, what is it like to be people who aren't myself? 
And if there are ways that you can help and assist in the movement and the growth and us moving forward as a country, please do so in whatever capacity you can be. It has been brought to my attention multiple times that some people feel like I don't do enough for the people of color and black communities here locally. They say that I stay too quiet. However, I'd like to challenge that by saying my job is to be an educator, a person who brings together conversation of people who ideologically think different than you, and I try to do that to my best of ability, and I try to do that here as well. My goal is not to take a stance besides a stance of anti-racism, a stance of humanity, of saying that we need to challenge the things that are being told to us, to question how laws are made and question how laws are taken. This is one of the most amazing countries in the world, and I will be the first one to admit that to anybody. However, to make a claim so bold as saying that the United States is the best country in the world, you must then acknowledge the things that it has done wrong and the stains that built this country. You must acknowledge those. To live in a history where everything that the United States has done is perfect is a false history. And that is what it takes to us, for us to move forward. I challenge you to question the things that you've been told from your earliest age. If there are privileges that you have, as many of us do, ask how you can use them to help people who may not have the same privilege. This is the land of the free and the equal. The unfortunate truth, however, is that none of us are equal until we all are free. And so I challenge you to fight for the freedoms of the people around you, whether they look like you, whether they have the same skin color as you, whether they come from the same socioeconomic countries or class as you. I challenge you to fight for the freedoms wherever you see injustice. And I challenge that everywhere both at the grassroots level and the politics level. I wish you the best and I wish you safety. This is a place of home and community for everybody, regardless of identity. And so for myself, for my company and the people that I support and the people that are around me, I wish you the best, I wish you safety. And if there's ever a place where you need to find safety in, to express your voice, your appeals, or the things that you need, be understanding that our doors are always open to you. And I wish you the best. And as always, peace, love, and happiness in everything that you do. With that out of the way, welcome to the show. There are two primary things that I wanted to do today. Um, the first is kind of catch up with you guys and answer a couple questions that I had gotten from the community on a recent Instagram post just about life and about what it means to be a photographer, a filmmaker, a storyteller in today's age. Um, some advice was asked and things like that. I'm going to actually keep that to the end of the show. And the first thing I want to do is actually answer a couple other questions from a recent book that I started called Tribe of Mentors by Tim Ferriss. Um, this is actually going to be my monthly book recommendation. On Instagram, I actually give out a monthly book recommendation to people, and this has been the recommendation for this month. For myself, The Drive Mentors has been an answer to a burdening of questions that I've found in my life. Um, a little synopsis of the book is, in a portion of Tim Ferriss' life, he found himself asking a, an extraordinary amount of questions of himself about what he does, about his future, about how he can go forward, and he asked 
what would people as successful as they can be in their respective field to answer to these questions I'm asking myself? What if I could create a tribe of mentors that I could share their answers to these limited amount of questions? And he did. He sent out hundreds of emails to some of the most advanced people in their fields, from writers and authors and actors and athletes and everybody in between, to answer a group of 11 questions. And I'm going to answer those questions here today. In no regard am I the most advanced person in my field of storytelling. Um, however, I've had a wonderful journey moving forward in the past five years, owning not only my business, but also helping growing a multitude of businesses and being a commercial and travel filmmaker. And so these questions actually struck me very, very hard the first time I wrote them. I read them. And I was excited to sort of share the answers that I came up with in my head. So, with that being said, I will have all the information to buy or purchase or listen to Tribe of Mentors by Tim Ferriss below in the show notes. However, the next 11 questions that I'm going to be answering are directly from the book, and I highly recommend you check it out if you are a person finding yourself sort of rambling through life very often like I do myself. So, jumping into the questions straight ahead. The first is worded like this. What is the book's what is the book or books you've most given as a gift and why? Or what are one to three books that have greatly influenced your life? There's a book that came into my head immediately when I asked this question. Um, and the book is The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. It is a book that I read every single year, as well as any time that I go through any struggle in my life that I need some sort of direction. The Alchemist is the storyline of a kid named Santiago, who in his dreams had constantly dreamt of the pyramids in Egypt. And even though he was a shepherd in a faraway land who had a very consistent and very live-well life, an aching desire to find his dream pushed him to go forward to this challenge. And the book follows Santiago on this entire journey, I have been able to look, open this book in the most random of places and always pull something away from it. I have read it over 20 times, but every single time I pull something entirely away from it or I find some sort of direction in my life. Whether you are experiencing Santiago having to balance an egg on a spoon, carrying it through a busy bazaar, or him traveling through the deepest parts of the desert, burning of heat, and somehow finding himself in that. Or even just falling in love with somebody who may not love him back. The story is absolutely incredible, and Paulo Coelho, as an author, has an innate ability to share experiences that many of us go through, but none of us talk about. So to answer that question, simply, I highly recommend, and I have always gifted, The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. Question number two. What purchase of $100 or less has most positively impacted your life in the last six months or in recent memory? For myself, um, this is actually a really hard question to answer. Um, I couldn't think of one singular purchase that was less than $100 but impacted my life so greatly. Um, but one that I can think of immediately um, was actually just a piece of food. <laughs> um, recently, I, I go on trips. Whenever I'm struggling mentally or I feel drained or tired, I will fill up my car with a full tank of gas and just drive in a direction. 
and kind of just listen to music, listen to the sounds of the road, and find myself, whether it's at the beach or in the mountains, and just experience life. Um, as a person who works constantly, whether it is in school or my business, constantly on my computer, on emails, on phones, on phone calls, everything, there are moments that I just need to take for reprieve. Um, and these drives are my reprieve. And so the last reprieve that I had was going through figuring out what it meant to be a creative in this time of COVID-19 and trying to continually grow my business as well as operate and find new contracts. And I just needed to get away. So I drove down to Malibu and found this little restaurant who had an absolutely amazing burger. Um, got it to go. Got it on curbside pickup because COVID-19 is a thing. Um, and just drove to this random secluded beach that was part of Malibu and sat there for a solid hour just enjoying this food and enjoying the sounds of the waves. And immediately that moment of just pure clarity allowed me to better go forward in the rest of the days following. Um, and so I think that out of the less than $100 purchases that I've made recently, um, that piece of food and that drive, that full tank of gas and that hamburger um, were probably some of the most impactful purchases that I've made in the past six months. Question number three, how has failure or apparent failure set you up for later success? Do you have a favorite failure of yours? Um, so actually, I've been thinking about this a lot recently. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Donovan Alexander Beck. I am a 20-year-old photographer and filmmaker based out of a town called Santa Clarita in Southern California. Um, and I have been in this city, in this town, for the past five years of my life. Um, I graduated high school here, and I've gone to community college, College of the Canyons, here in Santa Clarita. When I graduated high school, like many high school high schoolers who have done academia, um, I applied to my dream colleges, the colleges that I really, really want to go to, as well as a few safety schools. Um, in a total, I applied to seven schools. By the time I graduated high school, I had gotten rejected from every single one of the schools, including my safety school. And it was defeating. It was heartbreaking. It was hurtful. Um, as someone who had invested my time and had done everything that I was told to do as a student to join academic and join extracurricular things, be part of ASB and leadership, to be parts of sports and do all these things and help build my campus up and build my community. Um, when I applied to schools and wrote all about it, included everything that I had done, I still got rejected from every single one of the schools that I applied to. And it was breaking. There were many difficult conversations between friends and I about how I was doing in those later months of my senior year. And for myself, it was hard. Um, and it felt like one of the biggest failures that I had done. I had questioned that I spent all of these years trying to be the perfect academic candidate for, high, for colleges and out of high school just didn't get in. And then I went to the community college here in my city. And I had gotten to meet some of the most influential people in my life. Some of my closest friends and people that I care about, people that have allowed me to grow in the ways that I needed to grow. Also spending my time here, I had the experience of getting to work not only deeper within my school, within the educational field as a whole, within my city, being a mentor and advocate for students all across the city, as well as work with some of the biggest organizations that I've had an opportunity to work with here locally in Southern California. 
And I always think back to the idea of if I had gotten into the schools that I applied to right out of high school, would I have those same experiences? Would I have walked past the people that I now consider some of the most influential people in my life? Would I have missed the opportunity to work with some of the most amazing companies that I could have never imagined to work with? And the unfortunate truth is, should should I have gone into the colleges, I would have missed those opportunities and missed those chances. People that I consider my family today would be complete strangers if I had never met them at the community college. And I think that's one thing that had always stuck with me, especially in recent years, as I begin to reapply to the schools that have rejected me once. Um, I'm thankful for the barrier that was put up. I was thankful for the rejection because I think it's hard for us to realize in the moment that things that go quote-unquote wrong maybe aren't wrong. That our path isn't a set of doorways where one leads off to a cliff and the other one leads to like the golden road, but rather an ever-changing road. One where a mistake or an obstacle happens to just set the course into a different set of emotions, where things can be learned and experienced in an entirely different way. And for me, that moment of being taken away from the idea of going away to a four-year university and having to spend the next two, three years here locally, I now see it as the blessing, the most amazing part of allowing me to be part of this community in a way that I would not have been able to should I have left. In fact, I have changed my major since graduating high school, twice, no less. And now I am in the major field, in the field of study that I love to be a part of every single day. And for me, that has been the most amazing thing. So if I can think of a recent failure or a failure in general um, that led to later success, it was that quote-unquote failure of not making it into my dream schools or making it into a university in general. Question number four. If you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, metaphorically speaking, getting a message out to millions or billions, what would it say? It could be a few words or a paragraph for myself. I answer this question with the quote that is on some of the sweatshirts that I sell, as well as soon to be some of the clothing that I sell. It is the quote that I teach to schools all across the state. It is the quote that I live by. It is the quote that has built my company as a whole. And it is simply, happiness is not a limited resource. As someone who has struggled with anxiety and depression nearly his entire life and trying to figure it out, as I feel many of us are in this current journey, um, one of the biggest realizations I made in my life was that happiness is not a limited resource. That it is not something that the very select few best people in our society get to have. People with the most money or the most materials or awards or beautiful houses or anything like that. Some of the most happy people I've met in my life were garbage men. They were homeless people. They were happy. They were content. They were full of love. And for myself, happiness is not a limited resource, is that mentality of being able to understand the things around you and embrace those. And so if I were to have a billboard that could be seen by everybody, it would be that simple reminder 
that happiness is not a limited resource. Question number five. What is one of the best or most worthwhile investments you've ever made? Could be an investment in money, in time, in energy, etc. Um, for myself, I think one of the best investments I've ever made was the investment of time into people, into people that I care about. Um, nearly two years ago, I started a program um, that was my peer mentorship program. And what it, what it entailed was taking around 150 hours of my personal time and investing it back into a group of 10 students. They range from being photographers and filmmakers to advocates to, um, to artists and entrepreneurs. And these 10 kids are absolutely incredible world changers. A reoccurring host on this show that you all have met before is Hayden Trowbridge. He is one of my students, and he is one of my mentors. He is my friend. He is my brother. And that investment in time has been a solid reminder to myself ever since. As somebody who didn't have a backing in the art world, my parents have no relations into arts. My brother and my sister both are in their own respective fields, and I chose to take photos for a living. Um, my education in photography and filmmaking and business comes from having worked on movie sets, having watched hundreds and hundreds of hours of tutorials and YouTube videos and trial and trial and error. And for me, I always understood the fact that having people who believed in you, that were willing to invest time into you, was one of the most helpful things you could do to anybody. To give somebody the space to find their own voice is the only thing that is truly, truly worthwhile. And for me, one of the most best investments that I've made recently was investing time to the people that I believe in, just as some people had invested their time into me. And it has allowed me to see things from a whole different perspective, to understand that the decisions I make not only impact myself, but also the people around me, and encourage me to challenge my ideas and challenge my thoughts. I tell to every one of my students very, very often that I learn a lot more from them than they learn from me. And yeah, that, that investment of time has been a solid piece in my life for the past two years. Um, I am constantly checking in on all of them as they have grown far past my ability to give them any advice. I have gotten to see them speak at conferences and produce their first films, and it has been the most amazing thing ever. Um, and at age 20, I never thought that I would have been able to see 15, 16, and 17-year-olds absolutely changing the world. Um, and that was probably one of the best things that has been an investment of mine in the past couple of years. Question number six. What is an unusual habit or absurd thing that you love? Um, if you ask anybody, I have a bunch of absurd habits that I do, and I love them. Um, but when I thought of this, the first thing I thought about was coffee, because I have an incredible addiction. I am not ashamed to admit it. Um, I have an incredible addiction to coffee, um, but not just coffee like not just the thing that can give me caffeine one unusual i guess thing that i love is going to coffee shops 
and just experiencing what it's like. The first thing I do at any city that I travel to is type in coffee shops near me. And I don't look for Starbucks or coffee beans or anything like that. I want to find the specialty third wave family owned coffee shops of these cities. And I want to sit there and listen to the buzz and just experience what it's like to be there. I think coffee shops give you this incredible dive into what the community of a place looks like. The people that live in it, the vibe that it has, and being in a coffee shop has always allowed me to find some of the most amazing moments ever. Um, a couple years ago, I took a trip to San Francisco, and it was just a random three-day trip, again, going back to the hole when I have mental breakdowns, I just need to get away. Um, it was a random three-day trip to San Francisco, and I visited in total... 24 coffee shops during that three days. Um, there was a day where my body was about to shut down because of caffeine overload. But um, I remember one specific moment was a coffee shop that I visited and I had talked to the barista and I told her, hey, I have done all the touristy things. I have seen the bridges. I have looked at Alcatraz. I've done all that. But what is one thing that you yourself um, would do here in the city that you would recommend to somebody to experience? And granted... The next things that happened probably could have raised a lot of eyebrows and questions. Um, but she took a napkin and she wrote down an address. And she said, just go here and experience it. And obviously, me being the psychopath that I am, followed these random strangers' directions in the middle of the evening um, to this location, which was actually a old dance hall that had been renovated and changed out. This is far before COVID-19. Um, but it had been renovated and changed out and turned into a non-alcoholic club. And that night they were playing 2000s R&B and it was just a bunch of people dancing, having a most wonderful time in this little alleyway entrance of a street in San Francisco. And those experiences are incredible. And I feel like the only way that you can get to those experiences is to dive into the most intimate part of a city. And I think the most intimate part of a city is simply their coffee shops. So one absurd or unique thing that I love are coffee shops. Question number seven. In the last five years, what is a new belief, behavior, or habit that has most improved your life? I have talked about this on the podcast a multitude of times um but in the last five years technically speaking in the last three um i have done a daily journal for the last three years twice a day every single day of my life there are 20 to 30 to 40 a ton of notebooks just sitting on a case in my room and those are my life those 40 50 however many notebooks tell the story of my life for the past three years you can flip to any page and view a day in my life now obviously my writings don't always look like a synopsis of my day but they will always tell you how i'm feeling at that time my daily journals look like to-do list or short stories or dream journals or sometimes just a few words about how I'm feeling about the day. But I love it. And 
having written a journal every single day for the past three years has allowed me to constantly be at a state of this is where I am and this is where I stand. And that habit has been an integral part of getting me through so many things. Um, recently, I had gotten an iPad Pro um, and it has been an amazing investment because it's allowed me to write my journal digitally. So I never lose it. Um, as well as I'm able to start checking back on days more regularly and see when I make a decision to say something to somebody or ask something, um, I'm able to look back on that day that I first thought about it and laugh at myself to say, you were so nervous, but you got the answer that you wanted. Um, and so, yeah, so most recent habit recently has been, um, not even recently, it's been three years, um, has been having a daily journal. Question number eight. What advice would you give a smart, driven college student about to enter the quote-unquote real world? What advice should they ignore? Um, I'm not a smart college student, but I am a driven one. Um, and I'm still trying to figure out the quote-unquote real world. Uh, but I think one piece of advice that I would give to somebody or that I have been given that really changed the way of perspective of things I did is realizing the real world is what you make of it. Um, I, especially as someone who loves the idea of history and as a communications major, we talk about ideologies and things that we as cultures idealize. And in the United States specifically, there is this very, very stagnant ideology of a certain set of accomplishments that mean you have entered the real world or that you have accomplished something in the real world. And the, the idea of owning a house, the white picket fence house dream and the American dream has been one of those things. Um, one of my professors had always reminded us to challenge the idea of what the real world means. Because you're the one who lives in the world that you live in. And so make it what you, whatever you want. If you want to live in a van and travel the world, that is your real world. Um, if you want white picket fence house, that is your real world. And be aware of that and embrace that and be part of that. Um, and for me, that has always been a very intense piece of advice. To not be caught up in the idea of needing to accomplish what the people around you are accomplishing. Um, create what you want to create. Create the life that you want to live. And realize that even as crazy as it sounds, there's going to be somebody or people who want to be part of that real world as well. Your friends, your family, your loved ones. And I think that would be the advice that I would give is remember as you push forward, as that degree gets into your hand, realize there is no one telling you how you have to live or what your life should look like. Live it the way that you wish to live it. Question number nine, what are bad recommendations you hear in your profession or area of expertise? Oh, um, so many. <laughs> um, I, okay. Oh, man. There are two primary ones. Um, the first is the more controversial one, because a lot of my friends are in film school. Um, they're, especially in today's age, the world of media is changing so, 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 so drastically every single day. And what it means to be a filmmaker or creative or a director is drastically, drastically changing. And let me put this out first. Um, I think film school is amazing for some people. I think film school will get them through 
the understandings and learning the foundations and fundamentals of what they need, it will give them the network to grow and expand. Um, but I think one of the baddest recommendations that I have ever been given is that you need to go to film school. And I don't believe that at all. If you want to work in the film industry, I always tell people to just start working in it. To find a person who is already in the narrative and ask if you can be a grip or a DC or just a gaffer, somebody to wrap cables and tape, uh, tape things down. Just get there and start working. Start being a part of it every single day. And allow yourself to niche and find out what you love to do. Find out if you love to be a cam op. Find out if you love to be working storyboard and narrative. And then find out what it requires to get to that point. Um, I think that when you do that, it allows you to expand yourself and your character far, far, far more than film school does in certain areas. So, again, I have nothing against film school. I think it is an incredible, incredible thing. But I hate the advice that people give, especially old school filmmakers and old school creatives that say you need to go to film school to be able to be successful. I don't believe that. And granted, that made us because of the people that I work around, the creatives and the digital space that I work around that have never gone to film school. And I've been able to see them succeed and then myself has been able to succeed in my own way, shape or form um, without the need of film school. And I think that's been one of the worst pieces of advice I've been given. The other one that I think of is to wait. I think in my in my profession, in being a filmmaker and a photographer, young people are told to wait very, very often. Um, that you need to let the veterans do the jobs. Um, that you don't have the talent or the traits to do it. But I've seen some of the most incredible films that have brought me to my knees made by incredibly, incredibly young people. Um, I challenge the whole, the whole you need to earn your stripes mentality before you're able to represent. I think the fact that young people are creating films and working on a daily, daily basis is them earning their stripes. And at that point, they have nothing to prove. Um, there have been many conversations with older filmmakers that I have worked with and that I have the opportunity to either produce with or be the director for, things like that, where I may be the youngest person on set, but I'm the one doing main producing of the commercial or film or documentary. Um, and that pisses a lot of people off um, without them realizing my background and the things that I've worked on, the things that I've done to get to the position that I am, the earning of my stripes. And so I think some of the worst piece of advice that is given in my profession is that young people don't know what they're doing. And I don't think that's true. I think young people are able to earn their stripes in every regard. And yeah, so I think those are some of the best, like worst piece of advice I've ever heard in my profession. And I try to challenge all the time. So yeah, call a bunch of people out. <laughs> um, question number 10, we are two away. In the last five years, what have you become better at saying no to? Distractions, invitations, what new realizations and or approaches helped? Any other tips? Um, if you ask anybody that I know, sorry, I'm going to grab a cup, drink of water before I d kneel over and die. Um, if you ask anybody that I know, especially my family, um, they all know that I'm the worst at saying no to things. <laughs> um, I, I really suck at saying no to things, especially opportunities to try something new and 
embrace a new idea or push something forward that's new and challenging and awesome. Um, I'm really, really bad at saying no, and it bites me in my ass a ton. Um, but what I think I've become better at saying no to in the past five years has been the realization that my time is also a money investment. And so as a creative and as somebody who has worked in the industry for a little bit, um, I realized that when I take time away from things, it is the loss of investment. It's the loss of money. And so when it comes to like meeting with some people who I may not have been introduced to or investing time into something, um, the decisions that I make now are realizing that my time is worth money. And that has allowed me to better say no to things to say, like, I don't need to be investing my time into this because I wouldn't even invest my money into it. And that that has been a big realization for myself, um, as well as being able to better allocate the things that I care about to my time. It has allowed me to take steps back and understand that I want to spend time with my family or I want to spend time with my friends. I want to turn off my work brain and just kind of experience life a little bit. Um, and so I think that's been one of the best things I've been able to say no to is saying that, one, it's not something that I would invest my money into, so I'm not going to invest my time into it. Or two, better give it to somebody who can invest their whole self into it. Um, I remember recently, in the past few years, I had gotten asked to do an entirely different style of filmmaking that I have not been used to before or introduced to before. And the client had loved my work and they said that they really wanted to move forward with it. Um, but it, again, it was something that I had never done before. And I, even myself, I had not felt fully comfortable to it. And obviously, I always challenge people to say, even if you don't feel qualified, go for it. Um, however, what this company was doing and what they were trying to do was absolutely, absolutely incredible. And I wanted the best for them. And so I had to make the realization that I, in no way, was the best for them. Um, I didn't fit the thing that they needed to get done. And so I made that very, very clear to the client. I was saying, hey, I'm more than happy to move forward and try to press forward with this contract. However, I want to make some things apparent. I don't have the backing and the history and the field of creation that you're trying to ask me to do. And I don't have the experience and I don't have the understanding of the scale of what you are aiming for. I am more than happy to spend so much time in and make this happen for you. But I do think that there are people more qualified and more deserving of this contract and of your time who can make an incredible product for you that I can't do right now. And so whatever your decision may be, I'm super, super excited for it. But I just wanted to make that apparent and clear ahead of time. And the client had gotten back to me and they said, we fully understand and we appreciate your honesty and your transparency with us. And they gave a contract to a different person. And that is perfectly okay. Because that means that they were able to make their project, which, side note, was fucking incredible, into something incredible. Because they had somebody who actually was able to invest what they needed to invest into it. And I think that's been my biggest realization, is understanding sometimes I need to say no to things because I'm not fully qualified for it. And, yeah, that has been my realization recently. Um, the last question, question number 11. When you feel overwhelmed or unfocused or you have lost or have lost your focus temporarily, what do you do? What do you do? That was a question. <laughs> when you feel overwhelmed or unfocused or have lost focus temporarily, what do you do? If helpful, what questions do you ask yourself? 
Um, when I feel unfocused or overwhelmed, uh, I cry. <laughs> I cry. I really, really, really cry. Um, and I'm not ashamed to say that. First off, I'll answer the question better after this. Um, I cry. I am the biggest advocate for crying. I think that I cry more often than most people pee. Um, because it allows you to experience emotions. I think we fight our emotions so, so much. We fight against ourselves to experience what we feel. And for me, crying is allowing myself to feel what I feel. Um, and so first off, if I feel overwhelmed or unfocused, I cry. What up? I'm not afraid of masculinity. Um, but outside of that, what I do when I feel overwhelmed or unfocused is step away. Is take a moment away from what I am dealing with. It's hard. I feel frustrated at myself because why can't I get this or why can't I understand? Um, but I've made the realization over the years that going into something angry or frustrated, and this works within work as well as like personal relationship stuff, um, going into something angry is very, very drastic and very, very destructive, both in a work sense and a relationship sense. And so what I do when I feel overwhelmed or in focus is remove myself from it, is go on a drive, go on a walk listen to music, dance around in my room, is take a moment of breath. And that has got me through a lot of things. And that would be my answer is I cry. And while I cry, I go on a drive or I dance in my room all at the same time. <laughs> um, so that has answered the 11 questions of Tribe of Mentors by Tim Ferriss. Um, I hope you were answering the questions to yourself as well. Um, I will actually leave a copy of all the questions in the show notes as well. So you're able to ask yourself these questions. I think we don't think introspective enough. Um, introspective means that you're thinking into yourself, into your person. Um, we don't have conversations with ourselves enough. And I do. I have way too many conversations with myself. It's not crazy until you start talking back. Um, <laughs> but I think questions like this allow yourself to really dive into how you feel about certain things and what you think of. And so, yeah, that had been that book. And I recommend it entirely. It is incredible. Um, there are masters from every respective field in this book. And I highly, highly recommend it. Um, to finish off the show, I wanted to answer a couple questions that were asked by you guys. Um, if you haven't followed me on Instagram or Twitter, everything is at the mind of soul. Um, and you can follow me there. That kind of keeps up the best with what I'm doing on a daily basis. And I just push I oh, words. I just sent out a message to say, Hey, we're doing the podcast. What are some questions that you have about being a photographer, a filmmaker, a crazy college kid, a random storyteller, or just some dude who likes to talk to himself too much? What are some questions that you have? And here are some of them, and here are my answers. Um, and this will be kind of more sh uh, like rapid fire so that we can get the show over with and get you guys to your next thing. Um, my friend Star asks, what is the prettiest place that you've ever been to? Oh, that is so, so difficult because I think every place is so beautiful in their own right. Um, San Francisco, if we're talking about the United States, I think San Francisco is... I just love that city. There's just this incredible mosaic of people that I think is absolutely beautiful. Um, outside of the United States, Berncastle Cruz in Germany is this incredible double town. <laughs> I don't know how to explain that. Um, so Berncastle is one side of the river in this town. 
and Cruz is the other. And they are connected via two bridges that run across the, across the river. And this city, this town in the middle of the hills in Germany is just this most idyllic little beautiful town and some of the most amazing food and people and I love it. Um, during New Year's, they have a fireworks celebration where they blow fireworks from the bridges and it is the most incredible thing in the world. And yeah, Burncastle Cruise is probably one of the most beautiful places that I have been and I absolutely love it. Um, some honorable mentions, Luxembourg City, the double city, which is super, super old on one half, super young on the other, and it's incredible, um, as well as Paris is an obvious, <laughs> an obvious thing, but also traveling through Normandy and Bataan has been incredible as well, and I think those places deserve all the praise they can get. Um, let's see. Tori asks, keeping positive during times of struggle, um, finding beauty in the struggle, finding beauty in the things that are hard, the things that hurt, the things that challenge you. Um, working with advocates recently and working at protests and fighting people has been a reminder of how beautiful the human experience is of being able to embrace each other and being able to say, I'm here with you in the hardest of times. Um, I think finding ways to understand the beauty of this world in non-beautiful situations has allowed me to stay positive in very difficult times. And that can be taken physically or mentally or emotionally, everything. I think being able to find beauty within the struggle has been one of my biggest recommendations that I've been given to help me get through tough times and remain positive. Um, Riley asks, how do you define good poetry? <laughs> um, and I think that's super hard because I think poetry is super, super subjective. And I think that like any arts, there's a really weird thing to term it good. Um, for myself, I think any poetry written that moves you is good poetry. If you can bring me to tears, if you can put goosebumps on my skin, if you can make me laugh and cry and want to hug the person next to me, um, you made a really good poem. Um, I think that's why I fell in love with spoken word poetry. Um, spoken word poetry has allowed me to understand that the written word needs to be spoken. It needs to be felt and experienced. To get a little background to anybody who doesn't understand spoken word poetry or has never been to a slam poetry conference or competition, um, it is very, very different from slam that you would experience in like 21 Jump Street where people think of slam poetry. Um, slam poetry and spoken word poetry have this really amazing origin in the Bronx of New York. And starting in the late 70s, these incredible, incredible writers came together and started speaking their words and putting their tone and their information and their body into these feelings. Um, and slam poetry competitions grew out of that, but they wanted to change it from the normal format of sort of subjective, highbrow judging of poetry that you would experience with like traditional dupe or triplet like poem formats and things like that. And so the slam poetry competition, when you come to the competition, whether it's in a coffee shop or a bar or whatever, 
randomly at the door, the people who are hosting the competition will give a random person, a random audience member, 10 cards or some way to write down a number. And you can write down a number from 1 to 10, or you can hold up a card that says 1 to 10. And now you are the judge. We don't ask your background. We don't ask your knowledge or your experience in the art of poetry. It is just your judgment. Did you feel with that poem? And so slam poetry competitions are judged by the group, are judged by the crowd. So as a poet, your job is to make that person feel something. And I think that has been my love of spoken word and slam poetry has been this sort of innate, like, let's cry together. Let's experience the human condition together. Um, my friends who are fellow writers, we have a common saying that we say to each other when we're sharing poems with one another. And we say, let me show us the edges of your human. Let me see the edges of your human. Show it to us. Show us the curves and the edges of your human. And for us, that just means let's feel together. And I think poetry that makes you feel is amazing poetry. And so to answer your question simply, if it makes you feel something, they did their job really, really well. Um, my friend Joel asks, is it hard to do photography? Um, I think that's a weird question. <laughs> uh, is it hard? No. I think doing photography, like many things, is difficult, but isn't hard if it's something that you want to do. Because you can share your photos and experience it together and share a story, no matter what. Some amazing photographers that I follow only shoot on phones, and they are incredible. I think that's the cool thing that has changed recently, is the level of access to become a quote-unquote photographer has changed. And I think photography is not hard, but it is challenging and difficult if you want to push forward with it. And so I think that's a cool thing, is that there's constant learning, there's constant experiencing and constant growth um, with poetry. Uh, not poetry, with photography, sorry. Just answer a question about poetry. Um, and so I think that's a cool thing. Henry asks, how do you get business with new clients? Um, continue growing the network. Get on dockets. Um, work so, so, so hard and become the best at whatever trait you have so that you're the only option. Um, recently, I had worked on a contract recently because I have a level two drone piloting license, which is somewhat common, but not entirely common. Um, I have the authority to be able to fly in certain zones that other pilots don't. And so because of that, some people that were needing a drone pilot and needing to fly in a certain zone that they wouldn't be able to just by themselves hired me for it. And they knew that because of my previous work with them. They knew what my qualifications were. And so I think being able to find new clients is one, advocacy for yourself. Have your elevator pitch ready. Throw it out where you need to throw it out. Um, be, be proud of the work that you've done. And I think become the best of the field that you have so that you are the only option. And so when people think of a job they need done, you are the first person they think of. And yeah. Um, so last question, so I want to keep it short, is from my friend Hannah. Um, Hannah asked the question, in uncertain times, what is it like planning for the future? And I think this is an incredible question to answer as the last one because of everything going on in our sort of joint experience of COVID-19 and this pandemic. Um, 
I think this has allowed us to realize that no matter how hard we try, no matter how much we strive to make certainty of our life, there's so much uncertainty. And so I think planning for the future is being hopeful. I think we, I think we try to make our plans for the future too concrete to say, I'm going to do this and this is all. I think if you start planning your future and saying of hope in that, I want to be able to do this. I want this in my life. I'm going to strive for this. When obstacles happen, it becomes a lot easier in that it's not a failure anymore. It's just an obstacle backing you down from it. Sort of rounding back to my earlier question answering about post high school for me and getting rejected from all the colleges that I applied to. Um, if I looked at that moment as a pure stopping point, I never would have gotten to where I am today. And so I think planning for the future, we need to start being a lot just more hopeful for the future. I think that would allow us to be able to experience life a little bit better and being able to move forward a little bit better. So I hope that answers your question. Um, I think I'm going to end the podcast here. I think this has been a fun little journey. Getting to answer pretty much around like 20, 25 questions about myself and about things that I believe in. And if you made it this far through the podcast, first off, hats off. Cheers to you. I love you. Um, thank you for being a part of this uh, little random journey. I hope it gave you some questions to ask of yourself. I doubt it gave anybody some answers to their life because I don't know what I'm doing with my life either. Um, we're going to have some new people on the podcast really, really soon. And I'm super excited because these are some amazing people you're going to experience. Um, getting to hear some of these incredible people doing absolutely incredible things, especially at a young age. With that being said, there are so many things going wrong with the world right now. But there are also so many things going right. So many people are learning and experiencing things that they would not have been able to experience unless the things in the world happened. And so, like I said at the beginning of the show, I'm not going to have to reiterate it. I just challenge you to start questioning more. Start asking questions of yourself and the people around you and wanting to learn. We have the gift of knowledge. We have the ability to have any information at the fingertips now. Use that. Being uneducated on anything, on whatever, in this day and age is a choice. And it is a neglecting choice. I challenge you to constantly be learning and constantly be experiencing. So I, once again, I'm so, so glad that you came on this journey with me today. I hope it gave you some time away. Um, I know there's just a lot of free time we all have on our hands now. Um, but with all that being said, as always, I wish you peace, love, and happiness in everything that you do. And as always, much love. This was the Tangents with Soul podcast. Feel free to share it and experience it with people around you. Watch it on your drives, anything like that. If you have any questions or want to reach out or anything, all the links will be down in the show notes below. But you can also follow me at, at the Mind of Soul. S-O-L, um, soul as in sun, um, at the mind of soul on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook. My email is Donovan at the mind of Feel free to reach out. This is a safe space for everybody to get to experience and journey through life together as we are one family pushing forward always together. Much love. Best of luck.